0: chapter twenty three of master of the vineyard by myrtle reed this librivox recording is in the public domain betrothal desolation lay upon the vineyard the fairy lace had been rudely torn aside by invading storms and the secret spinners had entered upon their long sleep the dead leaves rustled back and forth shivering with the cold when the winds came down upon the river from the hill caught now and then upon some whirling gust the leaves were blown to the surface of the river itself and like scuttled craft swept hastily to ports unknown rosemary escaped from the house early in the afternoon unable to go to the hill of the muses or up the river road she had taken a long roundabout path around the outskirts of the village and so reached the hills back of the vineyard the air of the valley seemed to suffocate her she longed to climb to the silent places where the four winds of heaven kept tryst she was alone as always she sighed as she remembered how lonely she had been all her life except alden there had never been anyone to whom she could talk freely even at school the other children had by common consent avoided the solitary silent child who sat apart always in brown gingham or brown alpaca and taking refuge in the fierce pride that often shields an abnormal sensitiveness she sat down upon the cold damp earth and leaned against a tree wondering if it would not be possible for her to take cold and die in the books people died when they wanted to or what was more to the point when other people wanted them to it was wonderful when you come to think of it how death invariably aided art but in real life things were pitifully different people who ought not to die did so and those who could well be spared clung to mortal existence as though they had drunk deeply of the fabled fountain of immortal youth descending to personalities rosemary reflected upon the ironical fate that had taken her father and mother away from her and spared grandmother and aunt matilda or if she could have gone with her father and mother it would have been all right rosemary had no deep longing for life considered simply as existence bitterness and the passion of revolt swayed her for the moment though she knew that the mood would pass as it always did when she took her soul into the sanctuary of the hills dispassionately she observed her feet stretched out in front of her and compared them with mrs lee's rosemary's shoes were heavy and coarse they had low broad heels and had been patched and mended until the village cobbler had proclaimed himself at the end of his resources once or twice she had said half fearfully that she needed new shoes but grandmother had not seemed to hear father had meant for her to have everything she wanted he had said so in the letter which at that moment lay against rosemary's bitter young heart he would have given her a pair of slippers like those mrs lee had worn the day she went there to tea black satin with high heels and thin soles cunningly embroidered with tiny steel beads how small and soft the foot had seemed above the slipper how subtly the flesh had gleamed through the fine black stocking she wondered whether father knew no probably not for if he did he would find some way to come and have it out with grandmother she was sure of that god knew of course god knew everything but why had he allowed grandmother to do it it was an inscrutable mystery to her that a being with infinite power should allow things to go wrong for a moment rosemary's faith wavered then reasserted itself it was she who did not understand the ways of the everlasting were not her ways and moreover they were beyond her infinite comprehension if she waited and trusted and meanwhile did the best she could everything would be right somewhere sometime that must be what heaven was a place where things were always right for everybody gradually her resentment passed away the impassioned yearning for life in all its fullness that once had shaken her to the depths of her soul had ceased to trouble or to beckon it had become merely a question of getting through with this as creditably and easily as she might and passing on to the next whatever that might prove to be the ground upon which she sat was cold and damp rosemary shivered a little and was glad release might come in that way though she doubted it she was too hopelessly healthy ever to take cold, and in all her five-and-twenty years had never had a day's illness. A step beside her startled her, and a kindly voice said, "'Why, Rosemary, you'll take cold.' Crimson with embarrassment, she sprang to her feet, shaking the soil from her skirts. "'I—I I didn't hear you coming,' she stammered. "'I must go.' "'Please don't,' Alden responded. "'Remember how long it is since I've seen you. "'How did you happen to come up here?' "'Because—oh, I don't know. "'I come sometimes to see the vineyard. "'I've—I've liked to watch the people at work,' she concluded lamely. "'I see so few people, you know.' Alden's face softened with vague tenderness. "'Was it just this last summer you've been coming, or has it been all along?' "'I've always come, ever since I was big enough to climb the hill. "'I—I used to steal grapes sometimes,' she confessed, "'before I knew it was wrong.' you can have all the grapes you want he laughed i'll send you a basket every day if you want them as long as the season lasts why didn't you tell me before i i never thought she answered she might have added that she was not accustomed to the idea of any sort of gift but she did not put the thought into words come over here rosemary i want to show you something tell you about some new plans of mine he led her to the group of workers houses back of the pines a great deal of repairing had been done, and every house was habitable, if not actually comfortable. They had all been furnished with quiet, good taste, and had been freshly whitewashed both inside and out. There was a great pile of cots and a stack of new blankets. "'What is it?' asked Rosemary, much interested. "'The Marsh Tuberculosis Hospital,' he answered. His face was beaming. "'I—I I don't understand.' "'Don't you?' well it's simple enough if i hadn't been all kinds of an idiot and blindly selfish i'd have thought of it before one of the men who came to pick grapes this year has a wife at home with tuberculosis all she needs is to lie on a cot outdoors and have plenty of fresh eggs and milk he's coming tomorrow with her and his two children the girl will learn housekeeping from mother daytimes and the boy will go to school i have room for several others if i can find them and i have people in town hunting them up for me see oh said rosemary how beautiful how good you are not good said alden shamefacedly digging at the soil with his feet merely decent that's all he took a spring cod out of the pile spread a blanket upon it and invited rosemary to sit down it is beautiful she insisted no matter what you say how lovely it must be to be able to do things for people to give them what they need oh she breathed if i could only help alden looked at her keenly you can rosemary how i don't know but there's always a way if one wants to help i have nothing to give she murmured i haven't anything of my own but my mother's watch and that won't go so it wouldn't be of any use to anybody someone said once he continued that the gift without the giver is bare that means that what you give doesn't count unless you also give yourself to give yourself she repeated then all at once her face illumined i see now she cried i can give myself they'll need someone to take care of them and i can do that i can cook and scrub floors and keep everything clean and-but grandmother won't let me she concluded sadly a paragraph from edith's letter flashed vividly into his memory the door of the house of life is open for you and for me but it is closed against her it is in your power at least to set it ajar for her to admit her too into full fellowship through striving and through love his heart yearned toward her unspeakably they belonged to one another in ways that edith had no part in and never could have suddenly without looking at her he said rosemary will you marry me she turned to him startled then averted her face every vestige of colour was gone even from her lips don't she said brokenly don't make fun of me i must go she rose to her feet trembling but he caught her hand and held her back look at me dear i'm not making fun of you i mean it every word she sat down beside him then well out of reach of his outstretched hand what for she asked curiously because i want you i-i don't understand don't you love me you have no right to ask me that her tone was harsh and tremulous with suppressed emotion no he agreed after a pause i suppose i haven't she did not answer so after a little while He rose and stood before her, forcing her eyes to meet his. "'Do you—know?' he asked. Rosemary hesitated for a moment. "'Yes—I—know,' she said in a different tone. "'And that was why you—' "'Yes.' Her voice was scarcely audible now. "'It wasn't true, then, that you didn't love me?' She turned upon him fiercely. "'What right have you to ask me all these questions?' "'She cried passionately. "'What have you to offer me? "'How can you take all I have to give "'and give me nothing in return? "'What is your love worth? "'What do you think I am? "'The plaything of an idle hour, "'something to be taken up or cast aside "'whenever you may choose, "'to be treated kindly or brutally "'as your fancy may dictate, "'to be insulted by your pity, "'by what you call your love? "'No, a thousand times no!' His face was very white and his mouth twitched, but in a moment he had gained in a measure his self-control. "'I don't blame you in the least, Rosemary. I deserve it all. I know. "'But before you condemn me utterly, will you listen to me for a few moments?' She assented by the merest inclination of her head. "'I want to be honest with you,' he went on, clearing his throat. "'And I want to be honest with myself.' No doubt you think I'm all kinds of a cad, and rightly so, but at least I've been honest. That is, I've tried to be. When I asked you to marry me early in the spring, I meant it, just as I mean it now, and I was glad when you said you would. Then she came. I had nothing whatever to do with her coming. In fact, I protested against it, as mother will tell you if you ask her. I didn't know her, and I didn't want her. "'But after I knew her—' "'You did want her,' said Rosemary coldly. "'Yes, I wanted her, and she was married to another man. "'She had sufficient grounds for a divorce, though she never told me what they were, "'and I pleaded with her to take advantage of the opportunity. "'I tried by every means in my power to persuade her, and when you—released me—' "'You were glad,' she said, finishing the sentence for him. "'Yes.' "'he replied in a low tone, "'I was glad. "'She decided finally to leave it to him. "'If he wanted her back, she would go. "'If he preferred his freedom, she would give it to him. "'And, of course, he wanted her, and he had the right. "'So she went. "'So she went, and it was all over, "'and we shall never see each other again.' "'It's too bad,' said Rosemary icily. "'I'm sorry for you both.' "'Listen, dear,' he pleaded, his face was working piteously now i wish i could make you understand i loved her and i love her still i shall love her as long as i live and perhaps even after i'm dead and she loves me but because of it in some strange way that i don't comprehend myself i seem to have more love to give others i care more for my mother because i love edith and queer as you may think it i care more for you She has taken nothing away from you that I ever gave you. You are dearer to me today than when I first asked you to marry me so long ago. I don't suppose you'll believe it, but it's the truth. I believe what you tell me, Rosemary said in a different tone, but I don't understand it. It's like this, Rosemary. My loving her has been like opening the door into the house of life. It's made everything different for me. It's made me want to make the best of myself, to do things for people, to be kind to everybody. It isn't selfishness, it's unselfishness. I told you once that I wanted to take you away from all that misery and to make you happy. It was true then and it's true now, but at that time I was bound in shallows and didn't know it. She came into my life like an overwhelming flood and swept me out to sea. Now I'm back in the current again but I shall know the shallows no more. Thank God! If you'll believe me, I have more to give than I had then, and I want you more. I'm very lonely, Rosemary, and shall be always, unless... But no, I don't want your pity. I want your love. There was a long pause then Rosemary spoke. Service, she said half to herself, and sacrifice. Giving, not receiving asking not answer yes returned alden with a sigh it's all of that leaving love aside he went on after a little i believe you'd be happier here with mother and me than you are where you are now you'd be set free from all that drudgery you could help me in my work and though i'm not rich i could give you a few of the pretty things you've always wanted we could go to town occasionally and see things "'Moreover, I could take care of you, "'and you've never been taken care of.' "'I don't think you'd ever be sorry, Rosemary, "'even though you don't love me.' "'I never said I didn't love you,' the girl faltered. Her eyes were downcast, and the colour was burning upon her pale face. "'Yes, you did, up on the hill. "'Don't you remember?' "'I—I I wasn't telling the truth,' she confessed. "'I've—I've always—Rosemary—' She looked at him with brimming eyes. What you've done, or what you may do, doesn't make any difference. It never could. If, if it depends at all on, on the other person, I don't think, it's love. In an instant, his arms were around her, and she was crying happily upon his shoulder. Dear, my dear. And you cared all the time? All the time, she sobbed what a brute i was how i must have hurt you you couldn't help it you didn't mean to hurt me no of course not but none the less i did it i'll spend the rest of my life trying to make up for it dear if you'll let me it flashed upon rosemary that this was not at all like the impassioned love-making to which she had been an unwilling witness but none the less it was sweet and it was her very own he wanted her and merely to be wanted anywhere, gives a certain amount of satisfaction. Kiss me, dear. Rosemary put up her trembling lips, answering to him with every fibre of body and soul. Don't cry, dear girl. Please don't. I want to make you happy. Rosemary released herself, wiped her eyes upon a coarse handkerchief, then asked the inevitable question. Will she care? No. She'll be glad mother will too grandmother won't she laughed hysterically nor aunt matilda never mind them you've considered them all your life now it's your turn it doesn't seem that i deserve it whispered rosemary with touching humility i've never been happy except for a little while this spring and now and now he said taking her into his arms again you're going to be happy all the rest of your life if i can make you so if i don't you'll tell me won't you i can't promise she murmured shyly to his coat-sleeve i must go now it's getting late not until you've told me when you'll marry me to-morrow oh no cried rosemary not tomorrow. why not it's it's too soon in a week then i-i don't know i'll see make it very soon my dear will you yes just as soon as i can is that a promise yes a promise then kiss me the white fire burned in rosemary's blood her heart beat hard with rapturous pain upon the desert waste that stretched endlessly before her spring had come with the old immortal beauty and more than mortal joy half afraid of her own ecstasy she broke away from him and ran home. End of chapter 23